Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers, but I, but I hold on, fun. But I didn't make my. I didn't make I said Denver's gonna win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Let's say goodbye to all your worries about tax planning, investment troubles, and any confusion when it comes to managing your finances and money. Here at Rocky Hill Accountants, our team has a combined 35 years of experience and will help you do it right. We're dedicated to your needs and will deliver on a result that is professional and trustworthy. Our firm is large enough to offer a full range of professional services, but small enough to give you the individual attention that you deserve. Our business portfolio includes thousands of prepared tax returns for individuals, families, partnerships, businesses, and more. The team at Rocky Hill Accountants are also thoroughly trained in tax laws and procedures. We have the ability to represent taxpayers before the IRS when they arrive at collections, audits, and appeals. This allows us to offer our accuracy and audit guarantee to tax clients. Please visit our website at RockyHillAccountants.com or give us a call at 860-257-4238 to schedule an appointment. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I'm Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And before we start, we want to wish Jace a happy birthday today. Uh, we definitely want to wish him a happy birthday. How old are you? You could come in if you, if you want. How old are you now, Jace? 24? Yes, oh, yes, yes. 24. 24. Nice, nice, nice. Awesome, awesome. And we were talking. You're just, you're just relaxing for your birthday, hoping to do some stuff this weekend. Yes, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. And hey, for your birthday, college football starting too. Mm. So you got to be excited about Hell that. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So happy birthday, Jason. Hope you have a great day. And uh, we'll start off and we'll start with we'll start with football. We'll start with our teams, with what's been going on this week with the joint practices between the Giants and between the pa- Giants and Patriots. And uh, Mac Jones was great yesterday. He was outstanding yesterday. He looked like the guy the Patriots Wanted to take in the first round. He was outstanding yesterday going 40, I think, I think for the day. 35 for like, 40. 35 for 40. Wow. 35 for 40. He was, yeah. he was outstanding. He took advantage of a situation because Cam Newton was unavailable yesterday due to, due, to his, due to the COVID situation, the COVID misunderstanding. So he was unavailable yesterday. So he was really good. Daniel Jones, up and down. Not that good. But today, I felt – so 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 Wednesday, I'd say the Giants – the Patriots got the better of the joint practice. But when, but, but on uh, today, I feel like the Giants did from what I've heard. I mean, I obviously didn't see it. None of us saw it because practice closed to pretty much everyone. I, I don't know if fans were allowed in, but practice is kind of closed to us. But I, I heard I was listening to the sports hub, and they were saying like the giant defense was giving it to the Patriots today. I, I and uh, they were getting pressure on Mac Jones, and, and Mac Jones today they're ten for twenty, but and four drops, and that's a concern. That is definitely a concern for the Patriots going forward. For, with and it's not Matt, as much of Mac Jones. It's it's a, it's about their receiving core. It's about their receiving core, and it's 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 still yeah, it's improved, but it's still. 
definitely in the bottom half of the league, the, the receiving core. So that's definitely an issue for the Patriots. So you kind of see what you kind of saw in these two joint practices, what these teams kind of are. I feel like they're what we see out of these. We'll see what happens in, in week three on Sunday, but it feels like to me, seeing these two joint practices, these are two teams that are going to be very, very up and down this year. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. You know, um, with back Jones, he looked good yesterday, but yeah, with this, like now Nelson Aguilar is going to be the number one guy and they're paying him like a top 25 wide receiver, which he's not. And yeah, but that's free agency. You pay yeah. over, you overpay guys at free agency all the time. The Patriots were desperate. They needed to get better in that, at that position. That's why they paid him. Yeah, they did. And, you know, again, I think they are better, but yeah, you know, the injury concerns has been a problem, but yeah, I think that's going to be the issue is, you know, like last week, uh, Matt Jones, he threw a beautiful ball to Nikhil Harry. He dropped it, you know, like, I know he got injured, but that that's the thing with the you know that like that's gonna be yeah you know this offense will be sloping down. The injuries have always been a concern too for the Patriots offensively the last few years. Again, you know like yeah, so you know for the Pats and Mac Jones, he took advantage he took advantage of a really good situation. You know, uh, you know he took advantage of the situation of Cam Newton kind of the issue there um, with the COVID testing. He looked great yesterday. I think today he had like a delayed game too on. Uh, third and goal, I think I saw. Like, you know, there was some stuff today that wasn't great, but I guess yesterday, too, Bill Belichick, after when he came to the sideline, um, went out of his way to go find Mac Jones after and go give him a high five after the performance. And so Bill doesn't need to do stuff like that. No, he, I don't think he ever came. No. He, I don't no. think, I mean, he gave Brady high five. I mean, I mean yeah, you congratulate Brady, but he didn't do that, that much with Tom Brady. So when no. Bill Belichick's giving you a high five, you know, you deserve that high five. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, you, you know, yesterday had to be a really good day at practice for him. Um, so again, that's really encouraging, encouraging news um, with, with Mac Jones the way he's been playing. But yeah, today's a little bit up and down. But again, he's a rookie. It, it's going to happen. He's going to, you know, there's going to be the days where he's just he's off. So I do agree. Both teams are going to have their ups and downs. But you know, both, both teams, you know, are, are definitely talented. The, the playoff teams. Yeah, but I think the strength, obviously, of both teams is the defense, and that obviously, and that definitely showed today with the Giants. How they, they, you know, how they, they, they were really good defensively against the Patriots, and then yesterday, I think the Patriots were really good defensively against the Giants. So I think both the strengths of both teams are, the, are, 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 are their defense. But now, I think the big question is seeing the way Mac Jones a little bit up and down. He was great yesterday, but a little up and down today. Cam was good in the in the in the, in the few snaps he played. Who is the starter right now? Who has the edge? Because it's very close. It's very close to me. Uh, that preseason game, Cam looked great against the Eagles, but the problem was, and I know, I know, you know, the big saying here at CMG, and, and Joe is the one that coined the phrase, you got to, it doesn't matter who you face, you got to, you got to play who's out there. And then he did. Against the Eagles, he played who's out there. But the reality of the situation was, he played all twos when he played against the Eagles. They were, they were pretty much outside of their linebacking core, which is probably one of the, one of the worst in football. Uh, and you saw when Alex Singleton missed that tackle during the game. I mean, Brandon Graham didn't play. Fletcher Cox didn't play. Derek Barnett didn't play. Darius Slay didn't play. A lot of twos on the field for the Eagles uh, uh, on Thursday night, and I think that was a big reason why Cam played the way he did. But it's really close right now. I think this is this is the closest quarter. We'll get to the other quarterback competition. This is definitely, I think, the closest quarterback competition right now. And I'm just giving Cam the slight edge, but I still think Mac Jones could win this job. I think so, too. I think Cam barely has it because I think one of the things is, too, I know Bill came out and said this morning is, you know, you know, we don't really blame Cam for what happened because early in the week I heard the Patriots weren't very happy with him and, you know, they thought he broke his trust. But I don't think that's the case now. It doesn't sound – didn't sound like it from Bill this morning. 
So early in the week, I thought Matt Jones is probably the week one starter. Now I do think Cam's probably still going to get it. Um, but I, I could kind of see them, you know, I, again, I could see Mac still getting this job and they use Cam Newton as more of a Taysom Hill type role down in New Orleans. You know, get, and he gets some of his special packages. I, I think Mac Jones ends up being the starting QB. I think Cam's done. I don't think Cam is getting any packages, in my opinion. I think that's it. I think that's it with Cam Newton. I think I think it's I think it's over. I don't think they're they're using. I don't think Cam will want to be using any packages if, if he gets benched. I th- yeah, and I think that could be a concern. I, I, if Cam does say, "Look, that's fine. I'll, I'll run a couple packages," and then I, I think they could try it. I think you know. I think Bill and John McDaniels would be down to do something like that. Maybe, you know, in a big third and two or something. You know, you have Cam Newton to come run it, you know, run in, you know, do like a draw or, or a read option, something like that. I don't know. Like, I, I've been hearing something that it's a very good possibility of that happening if Mac Jones wins the job. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I just I just don't see it happen. I think if Mac Jones wins the job, it'll be Mac Jones. They'll, they'll, and, and, and obviously this offense is designed around Mac Jones. I think it'll, it'll be Mac Jones and you won't see Cam Newton. That's my opinion in, in that situation. I, I could see that too with, with Bill, knowing Bill, kind of seeing the one guy, but you know maybe in a big spot, he does give the veteran Cam Newton a, a chance here. Um, I, I do still think Cam's going to probably start week one, but it, it's definitely closer than I thought probably, you know, when training camp started. Absolutely, absolutely, and obviously, there's a big preseason game between these these two teams on uh, on Sunday, the Giants and the Patriots. Uh, and look at the Giants' end of it. And the Giants, you really haven't seen what they could be because they really haven't played any of their starters in the preseason. I know they, they against the Jets, they kind of took it like it was the fourth preseason game. They didn't play their starters against the Browns because I think they felt like they practiced against them all week. But I've been hearing that Daniel Jones is going to play that play an entire half of football. I don't know. I got. I don't know if Galladay is going to play. I don't know if Barkley is going to play. But I think most of the starters are going to play for a half. And that's going to be a really good gauge to see where the Giants are. Obviously, you want no injuries, but you do want to see Daniel Jones get some reps before that opener in Denver. So I'm excited to see Jones get some reps on Sunday night because he's expected to play a half. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think for Daniel Jones, he's not a guy that's at the Rodgers level or, you know, Brady or Mahomes where it's like, okay, he doesn't need, you know, like he's still at the point where, yeah, he needs the reps. He needs the experience. He needs to kind of get it going. So it's such a huge year for him. So, yeah, I, I, you know, he should be getting, you know, like a half. You'd hope Sunday night because, yeah, he's not he's not that level yet. Um, But, yeah, kind of it'll be the first time. Yeah, we really see the giant starters out there. I don't know how much the Patriots defense first he, first first strings in a play. I would assume probably first quarter, maybe a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because you've seen you've seen this preseason. They played two series against Washington, and then they played three series against the Eagles. So I think I think the Patriots play their starters at least a quarter. It's just depending on who. It'll be interesting to see yeah. who starts. Is it is it Mac Jones or is it Cam Newton? I, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything about that yet, and uh, we'll see who, who ends up getting that start. And Jace got a comment now. I want to see NFL football. I want to see NFL players playing. The Giants have been playing preseason games. Look like, yeah, exactly. Jace is 100 percent right. He has a point. He does have a point there. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing NFL players, but I think the other the, the other side of this argument is you don't want people getting hurt. You don't want to lose somebody in, in the preseason. I mean, I've seen you know we've seen throughout the years many guys getting hurt in preseason and. I remember one year OCU Manura got hurt in preseason, and it probably cost the Giants a trip, to, a, a, a trip uh, because they probably would have gotten to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. After the year after they won the Super Bowl, OCU Manura tore his ACL in the preseason. It wasn't the same in, until 2010. So 
you don't want – there's one side of the argument. Yeah, you want to see football. You want to see the guys get reps before, before week one in Denver. But also the other side of this argument is, is you just don't want to see guys get hurt. Yeah, you, you don't. It, but, you know, it's, it's football. Like, injuries are going to happen anyways. I think it's ridiculous, too, if the NFL charges you, you know, if, if you want to go to a preseason game, the, the same amount that it is to it's go to a regular season. That's absolutely just, ridiculous. That's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Why would you pay money to go watch watch uh, watch uh, second-team guys play? If you're an Eagles fan last last uh, last Thursday night, you got completely ripped off. You got completely ripped off because you didn't get to see any starters play. Why would you want to pay money to see that? I mean, that's the problem here. But, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah it's absurd. It is, but you know, like injuries happen in football. Yeah, you don't want it to happen the preseason. And yes, it, it happened. I remember Edelman towards ACL against the Lions a few years ago. Um, that probably you know, cost you a Super Bowl. That that injury. Yeah, could have. Yeah, very they very well could have. Cause yeah, um, it, it very well could have. Yeah, you never want the injuries, but it's also you know where you kind of have some younger guys where you want to give them some experience, and you you know you have to go out there and, and let them play. Um, you know, I the, the preseason, I do think, is, is a problem right now in the NFL. I, I do think it's something they need to figure out because it's kind of ridiculous that, you know, they, they charge fans at regular season prices to go watch guys that probably aren't even make the team. Yeah, they should never do that. Absolutely not. They should never be charging, you know, regular season prices for preseason games. But we got to get on to the big story of the day, and that's Ryan Tannehill. And he's going to be away from the team for five to ten days Uh uh, due to being on the COVID nineteen reserve list, and this isn't this is this isn't a huge a huge deal because he'll probably be back in you know five to ten days. But you know they'll be getting he'll be back probably back once they're when they're trying to get ready for the Arizona Cardinals, and that's a tough game on opening day. So you hope Ryan Tannehill obviously you know he's he's in, he's in protocol right now, but you know it could be it could be definitely a big deal in week one. Not a huge deal because you want to have him out for the year, but it could be a big deal for week one. It definitely could, you know. So we're two weeks from today, you know, from the start. So, you know, so you know they 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 have a game in like seventeen days from now. It's week one, so um, it would be the week, it would be the week of preparation. He'll probably be there yeah. for. Yeah, you know, and he's got a couple of new weapons. You know, he's got Julio Jones. I know he, they still got you know Derrick Henry and AJ Brown still there, but yeah, you know, it, always having yeah, but before you know that. Prep weeks, you know, for week one's big. You know, Arizona's going to be a tough team, and that's, you know, Arizona's going to need everyone they could get to make the playoffs. So, you know, that's not going to be an easy game for them. And, you know, it again, we're going to see this problem again all year. You know, guys, you know, going on the COVID list. I, you know, um, I haven't seen if he was vaccinated or not. So I don't, you know, again, I'm not going to go into that. Um, I Actually, I'm reading right now, he was vaccinated, so – it's he, was, one yeah, of those he was vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, he was vaccinated. So it's it's one of those things where you know he's va- he's done everything he's he's needed to do, but yeah, you know it. He still kind of catches it. It you know um, it's unfortunate, but yeah, you know hopefully he's back during that prep week, and you know um, again if he gets two negative tests, he's, he's able to come back. So hopefully he can get those sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, so he can be back in week one because that's gonna be a tough test for him. Absolutely. 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 So let's get to some quarterback battles and we'll start in Chicago. And I think, and this is, this is, this is one where I think the bears are making, I mean, Matt Nagy's making a major mistake starting Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. And I hope this is, this is just a week one thing. They start in, they, they get crushed to the Rams. They start Andy Dalton and Justin Fields is on the field when they play the Bengals in week two. 
because if this continues and they say they, they lose to Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and then then they I think they got I'm not sure who they got after that, but I, I think it's another another t- tough game too. Another at Cleveland. Oh, that's another tough game. So yeah, if they start 0 three. This thing could be this thing with Andy Dalton. This thing could be this season could be over, and Matt Nagy very easily could lose his job. So I think it's a humongous, humongous mistake that they're starting Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. A huge mistake. And uh, uh, here, here we go. Start Andy all season and give the Giants a top five pick, baby. <laughs> yeah, you know, nice one, nice one. You yeah, should be rooting for Andy Dalton in the playoffs. I, I should be, but you know, I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm just giving my opinion on the situation. Yeah, the Giants fan, I don't mind him playing all season because we didn't get a top five pick. But I just think it's a humongous mistake. Why would you play a guy that you know, you know for sure, he's your starter that you got no shot at making the playoffs? Go with the unknown of Justin Fields. Because say you sneak in and get a wild card spot with Fields. Say you go, you know, nine eight or ten and seven and get a wild card spot. You save your job. Why would you do this? Why would you play Andy Dalton to start the season? I, I, to me, that just makes none. And Fields is starting the last preseason game, which even makes, which makes even doesn't make any sense either. It just, it just makes no sense. This is this, what Matt Nagy is doing. And event, if you, if you start losing with Andy Dalton early. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your job. I think the only way you can keep your job, you or Ryan Pace, you've got to put – I know ownership doesn't want Justin Fields on the field early because they don't want him getting hurt and they don't want to ruin him. But if you're if you're, your job's on the line, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, your jobs are on the line, you got to. you got to start Justin Fields right away because I'm telling you, the, 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 uh, the Bears are not a playoff team with Andy Dalton. And their defense is not as great as people think. The Bears were a little bit lucky to be 8-8 eight and eight last year. There were two games early in that season that that, that were handed to them. The, 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 the Detroit game, DeAndre Swift drops the ball, and Atlanta completely handed that game to them in Week 3. They were more like a 6-10 and 10 team, and they were a uh, they were an 8-8 eight eight team last year. So, Let's be real. You got to start Justin Fields week one. That's why you traded up to draft him. You got to you got to start him. You cannot have a guy you traded up to draft and gave up a first round pick for uh, to be on the bench for any games. Yeah, and I know what you're saying. For week one, I would start Andy Dalton because you are going up against the Rams against Aaron Donald. I, that is a tough. And then week two, go Justin Fields. Everyone's saying that, but I just. You're just going to give up the game. You're pretty much just going to give. If you start Andy Dalton, you're pretty much handing the Rams that game. I still think even with Justin Fields, I don't think you're winning that game. I know it's the unknown, and I know Justin Fields could go off, but I think that's a really tough week one game for a rookie quarterback to come into. I really do. I think that that defense, I you know, because you don't want him to throw four picks and, and get sacked, you know, five times, and it, he's kind of broken already. You know, I, that's what I would worry about. I'd say from week two on, because then the Bengals, again, he gets to start against the Bengals week two, gets a defense that's not very good, a very winnable game, you know, and, and get some confidence building. I don't think he had much confidence after, you know, playing the Rams. That's just a tough, tough test on a Sunday night in L.A. It, it, it is, but you don't want to just hand a team a game. Now, I get your point. He better be on the field in week two. If Dawn has a yeah. bad game in week one, he better be on that field in week two. If he's not. Then, then, then there's a real problem there. So I don't, my, I disagree with Nagy, but I don't mind completely that he's that Dalton starting in week one. But if he's not on the field in week two, is a huge mistake if he's not on that field in week two against the Bengals. I don't want to hear about Andy Dalton getting his, you know, revenge against the Bengals. It's about you keeping your job. He better be on the field in week two. Oh yeah, absolutely. He should be on the field week two. You have to, like you, you know. I think I've made this point a few times, but why would you save Justin Fields? 
for the next GM and head coach? Why would you why would you save them there and it kind of let them find out what they have in fields? You trade it up for them. Yeah, there's there's not many chance and there's not many times you have a chance to develop two quarterbacks in this league. Usually, if you don't develop one quarterback like the Bears did with Trubisky, you're out of a job. So you're very very lucky you got the chance to develop Justin Fields. You got to take advantage of it. Yeah, and uh, Jason's comment here. Yeah, let's let's be real. <laughs> Donald will probably sack Dalton down to TCU and Fields to come in. That that might happen. Yes, uh, yes, yes that, that might happen. No, no, yeah. you can't avoid Donald. So no, 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 you can't avoid Donald at all. So yeah, you know, I could see a situation like that where, yeah, you know, you may have you may have to have used Fields just to get away from that defensive line because that's the other thing. The Bears' offensive line is not much better than it was last year. Um, you know, like you, you know, you may Dalton may get killed that week one. You know, so yeah, you may need to use Fields. I would save him for week two. I don't. I'm just like I just. I feel like the Rams are just one of the best defenses. It, it wouldn't be a fair test to put them in there week one, let them have such a tough game, and it's like, all right, you know, where do you go? You know, you know, in confidence wise, I don't know. Yeah, we'll 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 yeah we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens in week one. But we got to get to Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville, and this should have happened long ago. He's named the starting quarterback, pretty obvious. Even though he struggled a little bit in the preseason. He's clearly the best quarterback in their roster. And unlike the Bears, they got a really easy first kit to first game against mm-hmm. Houston where you can gain a lot of confidence. And, yes, Urban Meyer, if there's a question if he could be an NFL head coach, that, that, that'll be determined. You know, that'll, be, that'll be determined this year if he can adjust to the NFL. But you have to start Trevor Lawrence in week one. There's, there, there's no doubt about that. Oh, absolutely. You have to. There, you know, um, this would just – yeah, it would just – yeah, it would not be a very pleasant start for him going – we Gardner mentioned it's your number one pick. Um, you you got to go with Trevor Lawrence. It, it's Houston, you know, because you do know what we're going to get in Gardner Mentor. He's a good, you know, he, again, he could kind of win you a couple games, but he ain't getting you, you know, to, you know, like an AFC championship. He ain't getting you a Super Bowl. He may be able to get you to playoff, maybe, but, you know, you no, know what you're going to get. Not with this roster, though. I mean, no, he only won one game with this roster last year. No, you know, no. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, because I, I think he's, if he had some talent around him, you know, I, I think maybe playoff. But yeah, you know, you you, you know, yeah, you know, what you're gonna get from Gardner Minshew. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, like you know, it again was ranked the best kind of quarterback coming in since like Andrew Luck. Like you know, everything points to him being a superstar. You gotta, you know, you gotta let him go in there. Yeah, he's gonna have his ups and downs. I guess it's gonna happen. This team's not very talented. They don't have an offensive line at all. Um, he's shown the preseason, yes, but there's not a lot of talent around him. But you, you picked him first of all. You got to let him. You, he's got to start week one, without question, without question. I mean, you let him struggle this year. Let him go through his growing pains. The Jaguars are not going to be a good team. They're not going to be a playoff team. Let him go through his growing pains this year, and uh, then you start to build around him next year. That's what you start to do. I think the Jaguars are going to be still, even with Lawrence, because they lost ETN this week. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in football. Let him go through his growing pains this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the ETM loss is tough just because he had such a good relationship with him being at down at Clemson, too. I know they still have James Robinson, who, you know, had first on the scenes last year. But, yeah, they're not going to be very good. The offense, the line's not going to be very good. The defense, not. yeah, it's going to be a long year for Jacksonville. So, yeah, you just got to let him go out there and see what he can do and just kind of see, you know, you know, just have him show you what he can give you in the future when they can hopefully build this thing around around him. 
Absolutely, absolutely. We'll go to the team that the Jaguars played on Monday night, and that's the Saints. And I'm telling you, I think Jameis Winston has won this job. I think he's won this job. He looked really – I know they played the Jaguars, but again, like like Joe loves to say, you got to play who you're going up against. And it's not his fault he went up against the Jaguars and he played really, really well against Jacksonville. And I think he's done enough to keep this job. And I think this could potentially – I don't have them as a I – mean, we'll, we'll, we'll do our prediction next week, but right now I don't have them as a playoff team because I, I, don't, I don't trust Jameis Winston completely. But if he plays the way he did Monday night, there's a very good chance the Saints could be a playoff team. I mean, because they got a good roster. They still have one of the better rosters in football with Kamara. We'll see what happens with Michael Thomas. Obviously, defensively, this is still a top 10 defense with Cameron. Got, they got rid of, you know, pieces on that defense. They got rid of, you know, the, the Janoris Jenkins, the the, the, the Quan Alexanders, the, uh, the, Sh- the Sheldon Rankins, the Ted Hendricksons, Trey Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson's, but they still have the studs on defense. Uh, they got uh, Cam Cam Jordan, uh, Marcus Davenport has, has a chance to develop. Demario Davis, one of the best linebackers in football. You got you know Marcus Williams and Marshawn Lattimore. So, still a very good roster. And if if Winston plays the way he did in, in the first quarter on Monday night, this team's got a very good chance of making the playoffs. Absolutely, I think I think this is going to be a really good relationship between Winston and Sean Payton. Because I think Payton's gonna be really good for Winston. I, um, you know, I, I, you know, again, I know Bruce Aaron, You know, like Bruce Aaron's offense. You know, you could kind of look at the numbers. Their quarterbacks, he, he's had. They always usually lead the league in interceptions. You know, it happened even year one or two under Andrew Luck. He threw like the most interceptions in the league. You know, I know James Winston threw a lot of interceptions, but he threw a lot of touchdowns too. I think Sean Payton's the right guy here to really help. You know, help him get through it. And I think being with Drew Brees, who last year, I think Winston probably learned a lot. So, again, I, I think Jamie Winston's going to come in here, and I think he's going to be fine. I think he definitely won the job. I was very impressed with the way he played Monday night in the first quarter. Yeah, it was Jacksonville. But still, yeah, he played really, really well. I think this could be turn out to be a really good fit. I don't think they're going to win the division. But, I, I, you know, again, I think they'll finish second. I, you know, um, I haven't done the predictions yet either, but – I think I'd probably put the Saints right now in the playoffs. It's 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 pretty close between one and you know them and probably you know and one of the probably like the Arizona Cardinals. But I do think Jamie Woods would come in here and get them playoffs. Absolutely, and you know you got you got a security blanket like Alvin Kamara. I mean he's he's yeah. he's outstanding. You, you you can lean on him in the run game. You can lean on him in the pass game. That's why he's a top five running back. So yeah, and I think obviously and and you could argue last year stay stay Winston. You know, remember he threw that touchdown pass in that game against the Buccaneers in the playoff game? He stays in that game. They might win that game. Yeah. yeah but, no, you know, they, they, yeah. the Saints were loyal to Drew Brees, though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I, I get why they were loyal, but um, to Brees, I mean, you know, I get it. He had such a great career, one of the best. Um, but, yeah, you know, that, that touchdown he had against the Bucs was a good one. I know it was like a revenge spot for him there. Um, you know, it was a nice throw, but – yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's nice he's got Alvin Kamara. I know the Michael Thomas situation is not great. Um, you know, like, I, I think, you know, um, like Marquise Callaway is going to really step up. I know he kind of went through a He's got to step up. I mean, he played yeah. well on Monday night. He's got to step up for them. Yeah, it's like, they, you know, I, you know, he's, he's a speed burner coming out of Tennessee. I, I like him. I think he could really, um, you know, with him and um, Whitson, I think could be a nice combo until Thomas comes back. But, yeah, you know, um, I think, you know, I, I think Winston's going to do fine on the Champagne. And I think Champagne's the right guy for him because you saw out of Florida State. He had all the tools. He was unbelievable. He played really, really well. Um, you know, being the first all pick, 
I, again, I, I think this is a really good fit for him. Absolutely, absolutely. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints are a playoff team. we got to get to another interesting quarterback situation. That was announced yesterday as Vic Fangio decided to announce that uh, Teddy Bridgewater will be the starter over Drew Locke. And uh, John Elway struggling to draft quarterbacks is another failed quarterback that John Elway's drafted. I mean, we go back to Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and, and, and then the guys he brought in. I mean, the, the, the Case Keenum that one year, Joe Flacco, another failed quarterback experiment for John Elway, a big reason why he's not the GM anymore. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater comes in. And I think what Vic Fangio was thinking here is, I got a pretty good roster here. Now that I got Von Miller back, now that I got Cortland Sutton back, now I got Jerry Judy in year two, I'm good on the back end. I drafted Patrick Sertan with the number with the number nine overall pick. Uh, you got uh, you got J- Justin Simmons as one as, as was one of the top safeties in football. So you arguably have a top ten defense, and you have drafted Javante Williams in the second round. You got a roster that's pretty good here. And uh, with Teddy Bridgewater, I think he felt like Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, he won't. You know, he won't. Uh, care, he can't carry you in games. He can't you know, go back and forth with Patrick Mahomes. But there is a legitimate chance, and, and obviously they got four games against the NFC East this year, which they could win all four of those games with Teddy Bridgewater as a starter, that, you know, you could, you could win games with Teddy Bridgewater. You can get into the playoffs with Teddy Bridgewater. You saw that with the Saints uh, a, a, a couple of years ago when he was when uh, when uh, Breeze was out. I mean, they went 5-0 and with Bridgewater as the starter because they had a pretty good roster. And even last year with Bridgewater, without Christian McCaffrey, the Panthers weren't the worst team in football, and they lost like – you know, I think they had a bunch of like six or six or seven losses by one yeah. score. Bridgewater kept them in games without Christian McCaffrey. So Teddy Bridgewater is going to, he's not a, obviously he's, he's a game manager. He's, he's not a, he's not a great quarterback by any means, but he can keep you in games. And the Broncos, because, because of the fact you won't be able to miss, make mistakes, the Broncos could potentially be a playoff team with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. Absolutely. You know, I think he was fifth last year in the league in completion percentage. And I know he doesn't throw a lot of, you know, deep balls, but still, you know, you could take that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I think Dick um, Bangio, again, his job's on the line too. Yeah, his schedule, their schedule's not bad. You mentioned the two NFC or the NFC East. They also have the Jets at home. Obviously, you know, they also have the Lions and Bengals at home. Like, their schedule's not that bad. Very favorable, very favorable. Yeah. That's why you so make a, this move. That's why you make yeah. this move. You try to save your job so you're good enough to keep your job next year where they then they can draft the quarterback. And with that roster on a rookie deal, you're in good shape. Yeah, absolutely. You are. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I, I see why they made this move. Um, yeah, he's, he's a game manager. He's a good quarterback, but he's not great. Like, yeah, as you mentioned, he's going to keep you in the games. You know, he may not go down there and get the game when he touchdown, but he'll keep you in the game. He's not going to blow anybody out. Yes, he's not going to be able to win a shootout with Mahomes or Herbert more than likely, but he will kill, keep you in the game. And with that defense, that's really all you need to do. Their defense is going to be able to make some plays. They're going to get some big stops. So, yeah, I could see Denver kind of sneaking in the back door for a wild card spot. I, I could see it. So, um, you know, he's been good. He doesn't really turn the football either over either, and that's been Drew Locke's problem. And I really like Drew Locke coming out of college, and I thought him and, you know, with this team was going to work, but it just, you know, it hasn't. Yeah, and he, and he doesn't. Fangio does not want to put it. He's a defensive-minded guy. He does not want to put his defense in bad spots. That's not what he wants to do. And then if he, and obviously he knows if he starts Drew Locke and that happens, he loses his job. So he doesn't want to do that. You can argue the Broncos should have taken one of the quarterbacks in the first round, but I think at this at the, at, the, at this stage, this is probably the best chance. This is what this this but they didn't. But and this is the best they got. So they're trying to win games, and I think Teddy give, Teddy probably gives them the best chance of winning games. 
Probably. And, I, you know, as you mentioned, you know, they probably could have drafted somebody in the first round. They treated him on draft day, so they probably were sitting there thinking about it. But they're like, Teddy's probably, you know, if we can get Teddy Bridgewater, he's probably the best option right now. Yeah, he's probably the guy that could get us into that, you know, for this, you know, looking at it for this year. Hey, he's probably the guy that could get us their best shot to make a playoffs right now. You know, they're probably sitting there thinking about it as we talk about Banjo and his job, you know. He probably, you know, he probably didn't think any of those other quarterbacks that he could got were, were, you know, would be ready enough to go, go out there. So, you know, I think Teddy Bridgewater right now makes the most sense. I know Drew Locke's been playing well in the preseason, but Teddy has as well. Teddy's looked really good as well. So, um, I think it was a smart move there by the Broncos to start him. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, we'll wrap up talking about the Niners quarterback situation. This is another interesting one. I think this one in the Patriots is the closest quarterback competition because – I think the way Jimmy Garoppolo played on uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday night, he, he threw a bad interception. He might lose. He could lose his job. I think he's losing some confidence right now, and he could lose his job. And I don't think Trey Lance. I know he's put he put up pretty good numbers at times, but at times he struggled in the preseason too. And this is a Super Bowl roster. If you look at this roster, this is a top three roster with with Nick Boza. This is a top three roster in the league. This is a Super Bowl team. But if they get bad quarterback play, it, that's it's really going to affect them. It's the difference from them being, you know, you know, th- th- uh, of, I would say thirteen and four, or being, you know, nine and eight. It's a, it's a big difference there, and you know, neither quarterback I think played well in that preseason game against the Chargers. And I do still think they they go with Jimmy G, but I wouldn't be shocked if they give Trey Lance the uh, the day one start. And I do think. Trey Lance will play. Will, will, if Jimmy G's the starter, Lance will be yeah. in those packages. You know, those wildcat packages. They'll use him to run the zone read. I think they're going to use him in special packages, Trey Lance. I, it'll be different from what well, uh, we were talking about with Cam Newton and Mac Jones. I think it'll be totally different. If, 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 Jimmy, if Jimmy G's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, right now, yeah, Jimmy G did not look good. I know Samuel. Um, Santi Samuel Jr. had a nice interception against him. Yeah, he, he didn't, you know, yeah, I thought Trey Lance played better than he did in game one, which again is more of a pot, you know, obviously it took the right step forward. You know, their first two weeks at Detroit and at Philly. So they don't have two games coming up here against, you know, top five defense. So it's like they could, you could kind of see probably, yeah, definitely both quarterbacks play the first two weeks and kind of uh, extend the competition maybe a week or two. You know, those, you know, those, Two defenses aren't great. So, um, yeah, I think right now I think you'll see, see Jimmy G getting the start week one. But, you know, yeah, if he struggles, he doesn't play great, especially if the Lions or Eagles. It could very well be Trey Lance very soon because, you know, yeah, you know, you're right. They, they have a Super Bowl roster. And in this division, too, there's no room for error. So, you know, no. they, they got to get good quarterback play. And, you know, right now, yeah, right now it's, it's not great what they're getting, but – you know, tell me one of those two have to step up, but um, I think right now, I definitely, I still do think barely Jimmy G kind of leads the quarterback race, but I, I agree. I think it, you're going to see both quarterbacks on the field in some way, shape, or form um, week one. Absolutely. 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 So we'll be definitely talking about more. But next week, we'll, I'm announcing it right now. We're going to have our preseason predictions for the NFL. So we'll pick every record and how, and the playoffs. So we're going to be doing our NFL preview next week. So tune in for that. But we got to shift over to baseball. And the Yankees are the hottest team in baseball. But we'll talk about that after we do a promo from Clovercrest Media. 
Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. That is Baseball with the Bard every Sunday at 11 o'clock. Check that out. And I've been a Yankee fan since 1998. And I've seen four championship teams. I saw them win it in 98. I actually was at the game when they won it in 99. I saw them win it in 2000. I saw them win it in 2009. The funny thing is, is they have never won. I've never seen them win. But one thing I've never seen them do is win 11 in a row. This is the first time the Yankees have won 11 in a row since the 1986 season. And this team is firing on all cylinders. Starting pitching has been outstanding. Garrett Cole has been great. You got Tyone, who I know I wanted him out of the rotation. You know, earlier in the year, he's pitching well. Cortez has been a surprise. He's he's done well. Montgomery's done well. Outside of he, he, Andrini, the entire rotation has done well. Uh, the offense, Stanton's red hot. You know, obviously Judge is hitting well. Voight's starting to hit too. So they're starting to hit. They're starting to hit well. The bullpen's been good. The one question mark though is what do they do at closer? And I think Aaron Boone pretty much pretty much and I think and he said it after the game on Tuesday. It's going to be closer by committee now because Aroldis Chapman. Just has just been too inconsistent. He couldn't close out that game on a on Monday. on a Tuesday Tuesday night like Tuesday, Tuesday night against the Braves. They couldn't close out that game on Tuesday, and I think at this point it's closer by committee, which is the most dangerous thing. I think that that's the one thing that's holding this team back right now. I think they they figure they're figuring it out offensively. Their rotation's been good. The bullpen's been good. Loisac and Green have, Green have been really good. But the one thing they got to figure out is the is is, is, is who's going to close games and. Chapman was shaky on Tuesday night. He didn't finish it. And I know, you know, the Yankees, they've been great. But the one thing Yankee fans are going to complain about is who's going to close the game. And we all know it's very hard to win a World Series without having a good closer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, that's that's a worry right now. You know, yeah, Chapman it just it looked like for a few weeks he kind of figured it out and was kind of fixed. But, yeah, now he's back to what he was, you know, a month, month and a half ago where – He's just so inconsistent right now, and um, they're just, you know, it, yeah, you, it's tough to trust them. You know, like they threw Wandy, Wandy Pro to got him out some tough spots yeah, Tuesday night. Um, even last week there was a – or against – on the road against the White Sox, too, got him out of the bases loaded jam. So, yeah, you know, it, it's a problem right now. You just lost Britain two for the year, and I know he hasn't been great, but he's a guy that you could usually count on. Um, yeah, Green and Liza could have been really, really good. But, yeah, you know, I, I guess the committee rule you could do. They have Luizica. They have Green. Um, again, I think probably throwing Chapman in some non-leverage spots could help him. Um, I, I just don't know what, you know, again, I just – I really do believe it's a sticky stuff. I think it's a problem for him, and I think he used it more for control because his spin rate's never high, obviously, because he just throws a fastball really. I know he's mixed in more of a slider and splitter and all that, but – I think he really used it for control, and I, and I think, you know, um, probably like a night like Tuesday was probably hot and humid down in Atlanta and just really didn't get a great grip. Um, but, yeah, it's it's worse because, you, you know, you could talk about those Dodgers teams, you know, the past years. They, don't, they can't trust Jansen in the bullpen you, and to close out games in the ninth inning in the playoffs. You can't. You know, I, I, two years ago as the Nationals, he blew that series because he couldn't close them out. So, it's a worry. So, yeah, you know, you, you got to be able to, um, um, you know, find somebody in the bullpen. 
Oh, absolutely. 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 It's scary to go closer by committee, but that's the best thing they, they can do right now. That's just really is the best thing they can do. They really can't do anything different. I mean, you just have to do, they just have to, they just have to do it. They're just going to have to you know, go with what they have. And I mean, yeah, I don't want to be negative because they went 11 in a row. That's the one pet peeve yeah. of Joe is he hates when Yankee fans are negative when they're doing well. But this is a concern. This is obviously is. a concern. I mean, you know, lose, winning 11 in a row. I mean, they won 11 in a row, but this is obviously a concern. It's, it's not having Mariano Rivera disease. I mean, this is a, this is a concern. I mean, the, the, the closer role is obviously something they need. They, they just, I think they just got to go by committee. And I was, I, was a, I was a proponent for keeping Chapman as the closer. But after, you know, Tuesday night, I'm for closer by committee now. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you kind of have to. You you got one month left and there's no room for error. You know, I know they're kind of starting to kind of build a lead. You know, I know they're up three up right now in the Red Sox, the second, you know, in the first spot in the wild card. But, again, you build two games here. You know, the Red Sox don't have the toughest schedule, you know, coming up for the first, you know, this over the weekend. A- again, you, you could be sitting right there where they're only a half game back of you. There's no room for error at this point. And you got the A's this weekend. You got to be able to close them out. So, yeah, you gotta go committee right now until you know you really find out. Yeah, or when you know Chapman starts to kind of show you he's figured it out, and um, you know it, it back to the same old world as Chapman. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And talking about the wild card race, the Yankees got a big, big, big series with the A's, and they're up four and a half on the A's this week. This is a this is a weekend where they completely put the A's away, and I think pretty much you know solidify a playoff spot. I think this is the weekend where they take the Yankees take three out of four. They're six and a half up on the age. I feel like they've solidified that a postseason spot if, if they do that this week. So we look at the game on third tonight. We got Tyone against uh, Capelin. You got Cole against Manaya on Friday night. You got Nestor Cortez, who's pitched really well against Frankie Montas on, on on Saturday, and you got Montgomery against Blackburn on Sunday. This is this is this is a week where they could just put the A's away. And the A's obviously since Bassett, you know, got hurt. I mean, it was a very unfortunate situation with Chris Bassett, but since he went, ever since he's got hurt. They just haven't been the same team, and this is obviously a weekend where the Yankees could could, could, could go out and uh, and pretty much put them away. Yeah, absolutely. They usually play really good against the A's home or on the road. They usually you know play them well. Um, you know, James Caprillo tonight, former Yankee first rounder, went over in the Sunday Grade trade. You know, he loved to you know start the weekend off with with the one. He shut him down last time. I when they when the. Uh, Adrian June, I think he went five scoreless innings or six scoreless innings. He showed them they they had a tough time hitting him last time around. Um, you know, hopefully this time around they could get to him. But yeah, you know, they've been the A's have kind of been struggling here. You know, um, just got swept by the Mariners, lost two two, two or three to the Giants, um, got swept in Chicago. So yeah, the, you know, the A's have kind of been on a free fall. And the A's usually they're one of those because before that stretch, they went they were like nine and two after acquiring Starlin Marte. So they, they, you know, they were on fire beforehand. And usually the second half of the year, you can kind of count on the A's to always make that push. Um, you know, as they were always right there in the wild card. So you know, you you know, you're gonna get the best version of the A's this weekend. But yeah, it'd be great to get them up three out of four. Um, you know, this weekend as third, you know, they've won 10 consecutive series, which is the first time that's happened since 1954, which is crazy. You're thinking about all those great Yankee teams. And this was one that for a while you didn't think was, was you know, pretty much mediocre. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a series. You kind of, you, you know, you, there's no Andrew Haney this weekend. You know, you got, you, you got your four best, four best pitchers right now um, on the mound this weekend. 
Absolutely. 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 So yeah, without, you know, without Andrew Heaney, you got obviously Tyone, Cole and Cortez and Montgomery. I think they should win three out of four and I'm picking them to win three out of four. I feel like they should, they should, you know, this is this Yankee team finally is red hot right now. And I think they continue to stay hot in Oakland. Yeah, absolutely. I think they do too. You know, I think they, you know, they're finally showing that, you know, they're, they're showing that, Hey, you know, they're showing up every night kind of knowing, you know, whoever, Whoever they're facing, they you know they can win that game. They, you know they're having fun in the dugout. That wasn't happening, you know, really till you know a month and a half ago. Um, you know they yeah, again they were really really struggling and yeah it, it's a team now that looks like fun and yeah they 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 have a whole lot of confidence right now. So yeah, I think they should be able to take three out of four against the A's. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and, and I'm you know it, it should it should be an interesting series. You got the Sunday night game on Sunday night, yeah. so should be a huge, huge series for the Yankees this weekend in Oakland. But we got to talk about the Red Sox, and uh, the Red Sox have kind of been up and down. You know, they 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 uh, they took two out of three from Texas. They they've split with uh, with Minnesota, and uh, the thing about you know the Red Sox still the starting pitching outside of, outside of games Chris Sale has pitched has been shaky. Uh, the offense has still been pretty good, but timely hitting has been a problem, and it was a problem last night. I mean, they come back in that game. Renfro hits that two-run homer. Uh, they tie the game, and then you know, first and third and one out. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, Schwarber hits that home run. Yeah. You got first and third, one out. Verdugo uh, strikes out, and then Renfro pops out. You got it. You got to get the job done there. You got to win that game. That's a game the Red Sox have to win if they want to be. A, I mean, even though Oakland's playing so bad, but if they want to get into the to the body, I'm not saying they, they probably will get the second. I think they're going to get the second wild card. But if they want to get into the body of these playoffs, they got to win that game. That's a game the Red Sox. They want to do anything this year. They got to win. Yeah, yeah, they do. They they got to figure out a way to win that game. Uh, yeah, because um. I think it is now in the last three games, J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts have left 23 guys on base in just the last three games, both of them combined. It's been timely hitting, and those two, um, J.D. Martinez right now, I think they need a maintenance. They need, like, a maintenance say or something. He's been playing a lot in the field. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but he's, you know, um, you know, they got the big hit from Schwarber. It's like, you know, Renfro's got 10 home runs this month, which leads to ML, which leads Major League Baseball right now, but – yeah, you know, last night they come back and it's four four, and it's like, all right, they're gonna, you know, first to third, they're about to win this game, and yeah, they they can't, and then, uh, you know, they can't, then their bullpen explodes in the tenth inning. It's just, yeah, they can't get that big hit Saturday night. You know, I don't know if it was the impending storm or what, but they made five errors, and it just they didn't show up Saturday night, and they got boat raised by Texas against Michael Fuller and Neb, or, um, or no, Jordan Lyles who has given up 32 home runs in the year, which I think the most in Major League Baseball. So, yeah, it's just – it's been up and down. It's just they can't get the big hit. Um, you know, look, you know, Travis Shaw came up Monday, got the Grand Slam walk-off, but – Yeah, yeah but just, the thing about Monday's guys. game was Matt, Joe, uh, Matt Barnes got to get that save. You're up three, yeah, run, you're up three to one against the Rangers. You got you to save that game. You got to save that game. Yeah, you get bailed out because the Rangers are a, a terrible team. But Matt, but Matt Barnes got to save that game. No, he absolutely does. He does. You know, that that was kind of the, you know, little bright piece of Monday. And even um, Tuesday night, he blew it, too. Yeah, Tuesday night, he blew it yeah, as well. And they kind of, they, they, um, and Robles saved it for him. Uh, yeah. Kinda, so, yeah. yeah. He, that's another thing. Yeah, we, the Yankees have a problem that close, but the Red Sox bullpen has really shown cracks, especially in the second half of the season. 
Yeah, they, they have. You know, Matt Barnes, since he got the contract extension on, you know, on July 11th, he was tra- before July 11th, he's just striking out guys 44% of the time. Now it's 22% since July 11th. So, you know, his ERA, I think now in the month, is like over five and um, in like nine innings pitch, nine innings, 10 innings pitch. So he has not been good. And it's a, it's a confidence thing. It, it's confidence. He just can't. It's either over the heart of the plate or, again, he's not even close. Um, after Donaldson out the home run against him the um, Tuesday night, the next guy, four balls that weren't even close to the zone. He was scared to come in. So, yeah, it's a confidence thing with Barnes. Robles shuts it down Tuesday night. He comes and saves Barnes, but then he gets blown up against his former team. And I don't know if you saw the two of them run, but he was pointing up to the sky like Diaz was, like it's a pop-up, and uh, both, both balls went in the bullpen. So, yeah, you know, bullpen got blown up last night for him. And, you know, again, it's the start of death. Um, I think it was how Tuesday night he goes four and two-thirds towards 90 pitches. Again, they just can't go deep in games, and – I think that's also has had an effect on all those bullpen. It's, they just they can't go deep, and you know, Sale tonight is going, but he's only going to go five innings. They're not going to push him past five. So you're asking your bullpen to get another four innings, which they're already taxed. Yeah, yeah, and and I think they need to start extending Chris Sale because Chris Sale has pitched well enough those first two games. Where if this team wants to be a, a championship contender, they need to extend the, they need to extend their ace because I know that but the, he pitched well, but the two obviously the two wins were against the Orioles and the Rangers, two terrible teams. And obviously he's facing the Twins. They're a little bit better, but still not a good team. They need to start extending Chris Sale because this is this is going to be a team that, you know, going to September, that was obviously they played really well the first four months of the season. But the problem is right now is they don't have an ace if they can't extend Chris Sale. They don't have a reliable closer right now on Matt Barnes. And their offense has been good, but in clutch situations, they really haven't came through. They haven't been able to come through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I know Alex Gore said it again today. He, you know, they're going to give him sale the extra day too. You know, he's not, you know, they're, he's not going to pitch the next Friday. So yeah, why not? You know, um, so why, why, yeah, why not maybe try to give him a, another inning or two if the pitch counts there? I don't know why. I think they should. I know, I know they really want to take it easy on him coming back. And again, it, I think it just shows too that they know that they weren't supposed to be a contender and they're kind of just, I, I think going more with the, future instead of kind of hey we're, we're contenders this year let's try to win this thing I, I think they're they're more i think more focused on the future of chris sale than kind of this year and just whatever happens happens i think i think with the red sox is i think they thought they weren't going to be uh, even be in this situation i think yeah. they thought they were going to be a fourth place team i feel like the way they've they've they've, they've kind of they've, they've the way this the season's gone along for them i yes they've had success but i feel like they just don't care they don't really care about winning it this year in a way they really don't i feel like you know because you know at the trade deadline they didn't want to address the rotation they didn't go out and get in they didn't go out and address first base and then you know they don't want to extend chris sale i feel like this is a red sox team that really this year is pretty much whatever we do is, is what we was what we do whatever happens happens instead of instead of saying you know and instead of looking at them at the trade deadline saying you know we got a legitimate chance of winning a championship here this is a big market team i know there was low expectations but this is a big market team and i feel like high bloom and even alex Cor- even alex core has done a really good job they just feel like oh this year whatever happens happens I just feel like I know they've overachieved for most of the season, but I feel like when you're in Boston, that's just not acceptable. I completely agree with you. And I, you know, and, and I'll take a step further because since that trade deadline, they haven't played well. And I, I think it's kind of the team too. Like, you know, does this, the front office doesn't really believe in us right now. 
you know, and I know Court sits up there and says, yeah, we're contenders and all that every night, which, you know, he should. But, yeah, I think because of all that, I, I, I think it may have really taken effect on all the players because they, they haven't played great. It's been very up and down. They haven't beaten, you know, they got swept by the Rays. They lost three or four to the Blue Jays. You know, they got swept by the Yankees, which they absolutely dominated the first 10 meeting. You know, again, it's just I, I would I I do I do really agree with you. I and I think it's really taking a toll on the team, and it's kind of that vibe of you know they don't really you know they don't really believe in us right now. And I compared this team early in the season to 2013, but I think the difference is is that front office. I know Ben Sherrington wasn't a great GM, but that front office believed in that team. And obviously, you had the other things, you had the marathon bombing, so there was so they were playing they were playing for the people of Boston that year too. But they believed in that team. We really didn't have high expectations that year. That front office believed in that team. They went out because they went out and got a they traded Jose Iglesias. And they went out and got Jake Peavy. They called Xander Bogarts up that year. They believed that that team could win a championship, and it did. I feel like this year at the trade deadline, they just didn't. They, they, they just said whatever happens happens. And I and I said this earlier. You just can't do that in a market in, in, in a city like Boston. You cannot do that in a city like Boston, a, a town that's used to teams winning championships. You know, six championships with the Patriots, four championships with the Red Sox. You know, they had a championship with the with the Celtics and the Bruins. The last twenty years, this team has seen a bunch of championships. They haven't seen teams that are really that are really good to start the season and then have basically have you know the front office say, oh, whatever we do this year, we do that we do. We are you know we're not going to push as hard as we can to win a championship. Again, that's just unacceptable in this city. Absolutely. And that fan base was not happy with Heim after the trade down. They were not happy, especially when we were doing with the Yankees. And I don't play. And there's, a, and there's a strike against Heim Bloom because he tr- already mm-hmm. traded one of their best players in Mookie Betts. And a big reason for that is they didn't want to pay Mookie Betts so they can improve their roster, improve their pitching staff, improve their bullpen, which was a big weakness in 2019. When, when they when they missed the playoffs after they won the World Series it was a big weakness weakness in nineteen because they they they, want, they they need to improve their bullpen their starting rotation their offense was already good so they thought okay we're not going to pay bets but if you're not going to pay bets you got you got you got to start doing stuff because it's been two years and you've literally done nothing to this team yeah they haven't they haven't really signed that anybody big um, and there's really nobody this year that you know you kind of look at that you're really going to pay thirty million that they really need that they need you know I know all the shortstop but they have Bogarts. You know, I know they're going to have to extend Bogart's endeavor very soon. So, but yeah, they haven't, you know, Heim hasn't made the big move. Again, to have Hunter run for right now, who's on pace to have 30 home runs, like 100 RBIs to sign for $3 million, that's a great, that's a great gap. But yeah, it's not, it's not the exciting piece that, that the fan base wants and needs. You know, yeah, it, you know, um, you know, that contract now with Nathan Baldy has looked pretty good. That I know was one of the reasons got that, um, um, that guy Dombrowski fired, you know, but yeah, they, they really haven't made that big splash move. And, you know, again, and I don't see them making a big trade in the off season because they really want to bolster that farm system, which I think now is getting up there. I think they're up in the upper half of the league now, but still like, you know, I don't know what big moves going to come this off season from them, but yeah, again, in, in the city of Boston, when you're playing this well, they expect you to go win the title. They don't expect you to kind of sit around and just kind of, hey, let's see where um, where it goes. You know, they, they expect you to try to take that next step and get to the, you know, get to the finals. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll wrap up our uh, baseball talk with the, with Miguel, Miguel Cabrera hitting his 500th, 500th home run, and good for him. You know, 
first ballot Hall of Famer, phenomenal player. I remember as a Yankee fan, watching him beat the Yankees in the World Series in 2003 when he was with the Marlins, went to the Tigers, continued to haunt the Yankees, beat him. And I mean, the Tigers beat them in 2011 and 2012, got the Tigers to a World Series in 2012. Obviously, he's, he's, he's definitely, his career has went downhill due to age and injury over the last couple of years, but still first ballot Hall of Famer and well-deserved for Miguel Cabrera. Oh, absolutely. You know, at one time he was a little dominant here in Major League Baseball. And every time he came in the plate, you were very scared. And, uh, you know, you, again, you, you had to pitch very carefully to him. Um, he's one of the most feared hitters, uh, you know, I, I've seen, you know. And, yeah, you know, great for him that he was able to get 500. Um, you know, that Tiger team right now, they've been playing well, you know. They're, what, four games under 500 right now. So, you know, he got a better, you know, he's played better this year. He's gotten so, I think he said he lost like 20, 25 pounds. He's been a lot better shape. And he's been, you know, he's been all right this year for 38, 39 year old guy. He's played, you know, he's, he's played all right. You know, obviously nothing he was, but yeah, great for him. Definitely for about Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, just a fun guy to watch, you know, swing the bat. Yeah. You know, at one time, he was really, really feared at it. Absolutely. 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 So, you know, props to Cabrera, outstanding career. We'll see what ends up, what the Tigers end up doing with him in the off season. You know, maybe they end up, you know, just set, sending him some, sending him to a contender next year, but still phenomenal career for Miguel Cabrera. But we got an alliance forming in college football. And uh, I know Justin has a lot to talk about, a lot to say about that. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. That is all four downs. It'll, and I think they're on tonight. Jason can yeah. confirm that for us. But they're on tonight yeah. at 7 o'clock, and they'll be talking about what we're talking about right now. So make sure you tune in to all four downs. Ovi Muniz, Joe Aguirre, Jace Garcia, Sean Scanlon. Make sure you're tuning in to all four downs tonight. But we have the alliance has formed. <laughs> the, the, the Big 12 – no, I mean the Pac-12. Sorry, I said Big 12. The Pac-12, ACC, and Big 10 have formed an alliance. They've decided to form an alliance – uh, bet- between the three conferences after I think this was really stemmed by uh, the SEC having Oklahoma and Texas join their leagues, uh, join their leagues. So I'll ask Justin the question. He's the college football guy. Jace, don't be afraid to chime in. What is this? What, what, what is, what is the Alliance? So what, to the audience, tell us what the Alliance is. So the big 10 ACC Pac-12. Now this is not a contract or anything. This is like a handshake type of thing. Like it's no formal thing, but it, you know, they're going to, you know, teams from each conference are going to schedule each other. Um, it sounds like the Pac-12 and Big Ten are going to think about going to eight conference games so that they could have four non-conference games now. It, you know, it's for – they're going to try to get better matching. Because now with the SEC, you got so many title contenders, but now they really want to try to find, you know, some big-time matchups that, you know, you're going to do outside the SEC. It could be a Clemson-Ohio State. It could be a USC-Ohio State. Like – um, I, I think, again, it's another step forward of the Power Five kind of just taking off from the rest of the college football or FBS landscape, I believe. 
Um, you know, when this happens, I don't know because college football schedules are so far advanced. There's already games scheduled for, for 2037, you know, that are, you know, again, that kids are right now one years old who are going to be playing those games. And, you know, it, which is crazy, but it, it's too to get for TV contracts too, because every, you know, all the money's going to flock the SEC. They want the they want some big time matchups. You know, obviously the big brands of Oregon too playing Ohio State. I know that's happening this year, but to get fans excited about some of those matchups as well, to try to take advantage of all the expansion too. Um, you know, tougher schedules to you know. Um, again, I know I think the Big Ten and Pac twelve agreed to one back in two thousand twelve, but it fell apart pretty quickly. Um, I can't remember the details of why it fell apart, but. They were going to do one. It never really took off. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of, you know, and it sounds like it's going to be for basketball, too. Um, and maybe even some of the Olympic sports. So, I think trying to grow the conferences, too. Um, it's, it's trying to, you know, keep up with the SEC, I do believe, here. And it does tell you, too, the Big 12, they don't even think so part of it anymore. And be very interesting, too, what the Big 12 kind of does out of this. What's going to happen to the Big 12? Do you think it's just going to – all these teams are going to leave now because due to this? I think it's very possible that now we kind of see that they're not going to be included in the Power five, five anymore, which I think, you know, most people kind of thought it was going to happen anyways. The Pac-12 commissioner said this week that on Friday they're going to announce their decision on expansion. If he says something like that, why he announced it on Tuesday, then he would have said no. So I, I think maybe it's very possible tomorrow we find out some Pac-12 games. Um, or some Big 12 as, teams as are going Jared to just commented, mass exodus. from the It probably will be a mass exodus from the Pac-12. No, yeah, maybe I mean, the Big 12. Big 12 yeah. I could see them combining with the American, maybe some of the teams. But, again, um, I think they're going to – it's pretty much falling apart. I, again, I'm – you know, I know Kansas is trying to get in the Big Ten. I don't think that's going to happen. It will be interesting with Kansas for football-wise. Um, I, I think they should go independent, but I think most teams should go – are probably going to go to American or they're going to scratch and claw the way in the Pac-12 and hope for the best. Yeah, 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 we'll see. So what are your thoughts on this? I feel like my thoughts are it's a, it's a it's they don't have a signed document. I got a problem with that. You have yeah. to have a signed document if you're going to do something like this. And another and, and, and my other thoughts is this is pretty much just a scheduling thing. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this? If there's no signed document, I think that's a problem. Is, is that a problem for you that there's no signed document between these three conferences? Yeah, it's kind of funny because they all trust each other. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to put – yeah, you know. I, again, yeah, I, heard, I, heard I, the, I heard the ACC's comments. What were you going to say about yesterday? Uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but literally after this was kind of came out and all this, USC and LSU are scheduled to meet 2024 in Las Vegas. So it's like, okay, USC is sharing the game with an SEC team, but – like, yeah, I, you know, talk about trust. You've just scheduled a team. Yeah, you've just scheduled a game with an SEC team. And oh, it's yeah. all about trust. It's all about trust. And that's where I don't have confidence in this is because yeah. they're scheduling a game with an SEC team already. Yeah, so that's why it's like, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen? I don't know, you know, what this is going to, you know, again, I don't know. I think this is kind of funny. I get why they're doing it. But again, why can't you just, you know, I don't know if you really need an agreement to, all this, but I don't know. It, it, it's kind of funny that they're actually doing it, but I, I guess it does show that they're they're trying to um, compete with the SEC again. It, like if this turned into Clemson versus like Arizona, I don't think that would happen. But it's like okay, that's useless. If they use this to bring some big time matchups together, 
I think it could help recruiting wise too for USC to come over the East Coast and you know kind of say, hey, we're gonna play all, out in the East Coast. You're gonna have a homecoming game every year. Could help recruiting as well, but it, it's interesting. I don't know how long this is gonna last because an AD said he doesn't think this is gonna take shape for another five, ten years just because of all the non-conference scheduling future wise, you know. So again, this may be kind of farther down the line, which who knows what's going on by then. Yeah, it's pretty much – it just seems to be like – for me, it just seems to be a, like a, a, a verbal – just a, just like a, a, a verbal agreement because there's nothing yeah. signed. So it's a verbal agreement, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to be going to effect probably at the earliest, maybe 2026, 2027. That's, oh. For me, that's what it's like. That's what, that's, that's what that's my take. That's my takeaway from it. Yeah, no, I – yeah, I'm kind of pretty much on the same boat you are. Yeah, it's, this is probably six, seven years away. Um, again, this could fall apart very easily because it's a trust thing. You know, it's a, they called they, – because they didn't actually have a handshake, but they said it's a handshake agreement, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's very interesting you know, I, to see how this thing is going to turn out. I, who knows? Who knows with, Kyle, with the expansion and all that, you know, what really happens with agreement. So I think we've already answered this, but how is this going to impact, you know, college football in general? Um, I, I think it's gonna, it's another step towards the power five breaking away. I really do. I think they're kind of making a lot. I think at least probably at some point, two games a year, you're probably going to see ACC, big 10, big pack 12 schools play against each other. And then you'd look at ACC, you know, like Clemson, Louisville, um, you know, Georgia, Florida state or Georgia tech, Florida state already, they play, you know, in state both in the ACC or SEC schools. So there's already three games they take away. So I think it could be less. It's going to be less opportunities for non-power five schools to have the opportunity to play the power five schools and kind of you know get a nice paycheck, be able to show that they can compete on that level. So, I think it's another one of kind of the power fives. Just you know, they're you know, conferences trying to team up with each other and again kind of kick the non-power five to the curb. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with this. We'll see what happens with this alliance. Very, very interesting to see what happened. What see seeing what happened on Tuesday when they formed this alliance. But we got to get to the games, and this is the opening. This is not the opening week, but it's kind of like week zero yeah. of the college football season. There's three games we'll focus on. One is a Big Ten matchup in Champaign. Scott Frost brings his Nebraska Cornhuskers to Champaign, Champaign to face Illinois. It's the first college football game of the year, one o'clock on Fox. I think Nebraska wins it. I think they win it close, but I think Nebraska wins it. But, Justin, here's a question. Can Brett Bielema upset the Cornhuskers in his opener? I think they can. Everybody I'm listening to loves, like, Illinois this game and loves them with the touchdown of, the, of an underdog. You know, and I don't know if you remember this game last year, Steve. This was the Illinois went to Nebraska, and Scott Fraud brought out the black shirts. They wore the black shirts that game. You know, obviously, like they did in the 90s with that – defense of Nebraska had that was unbelievable. They gave up 43 points to Illinois, 43 points to a team that really struggled most um, offensively a lot last year. Um, I think Nebraska finds a way to keep this thing close. Illinois struggled with the quarterback last year. They only had – they had 18 sacks um, all year. They have 22 super seniors that I really, really like. Burt Bielby, you know, they're going to run the power eye. They're just, you know, again, they have four – Four of their five offensive linemen are seniors. They've all played. Um, I think Illinois kind of could be a surprise team in a Western division that's very wide open um, after kind of like a Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin. Um, and for Nebraska, we've seen Adrian Martinez kind of show you flashes of brilliance and that he can kind of be 
the guy where he kind of looked, you know, where he had some Heisman hype a few years ago, and you kind of go, okay, he shows it. But at times, you just you scratch your head and you go, what are you doing? So if Illinois can kind of get him to situations like that, I think Illinois, you know, um, Illinois could very easily win this game. Nebraska, too, I don't know what's going on with this investigation. I don't know where their heads are at right now. Um, I think Scott Frost is in a real heap of trouble. If they don't go five and seven, or, I mean, if they don't, if they cannot get to a bowl game, if they cannot get to six and six, I think Scott Frost is gone. Um, his buyout's $25 million, so they're going to pin him on the investigation here. So it, he's kind of getting blackmailed, I believe, kind of right now. I, it's a blackmail kind of situation, I think. Um, cause I, but, um, it's the earliest Big Ten game in school in the history of the Big Ten, but I' gonna take Nebraska to keep it close. I really want to pick Illinois because I think to make a bowl game, they gotta win this game. But I don't look that everybody in the world right now is picking Illinois. They dominated Nebraska last year, but I think it'll, I think Nebraska finds a way to get it done today. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's going to be a really, I'm really, it's going to be an interesting game. Obviously, it'd be nice to see college football back. I mean, this will be the yeah. most anyone sees of both these teams all season long. But I'll definitely be watching because I, I'm just happy that football, that football is back. And this is actually going to be football where the result counts. This isn't going to be preseason. Yeah. This is going to be football where the result counts. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens in this Big Ten battle. I'm definitely excited for it. But we got to get to our, to the hometown team, and this is the first time they're on the field since the 2019 season. I mean, we know this UConn team's only won three games, and in the last in the last uh, three years, obviously last year they didn't play due to COVID. But they're back on the field, and they're going as it is their first game as an independent. They're going to Fresno State to face to face Fresno State. Now we've known UConn has been so terrible the last you know the last you know I'd say you know seven eight years where I'm not even asking if they're going to win the game. Are they going to be able to cover this spread of 27 and a half points? That's the question. Uh, hey, I've been going back and forth. Fresno State this year, I think they're a dark horse in the Mountain West title. Um, their offense is going to be very explosive coming back with Jake Harner at quarterback at Washington transfer. Um, they have Ronnie um, Rivera, or yeah, Rivera, uh, or Rivers, who. First team all Mountain West last year. It was a 500-yard rusher last year, and they have top wide receiver Jalen Cropper. Fresno State's offense would be very, very tough to stop. And we haven't seen UConn in two years, and they really struggled to stop the run and stop the pass. They struggled to stop anything. Yeah, they struggled yeah. to stop anything in the last few years. Yeah. But they're older because of the because of the super seniors <laughs> they probably have, right? Yeah, that. But they played a ton of guys their freshman year. That probably should have been redshirting, but again, they didn't have the upperclassmen, so you know, Randy kind of threw on the freshmen. So now they're you know, now they're juniors, but all technically still sophomores. So they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. They don't have a ton of talent still. I think Fresno does win this game by probably about 30 points. I you know, I like the quarterback Jack Zagaris, um, the sophomore, gonna be the starter again. Um you know, again, he showed moments as a freshman that, again, he, he had some talent. There, again, he you know, every freshman quarterback shows kind of their moments of, of you know, when they're a freshman. But I thought he's, you know, did good enough. Kevin Mencha in the backfield, he had a really solid year. They bring in Miami transfer Robert Burns, um, or Barnes, who, or Bur- yeah, Burns, who, again, probably the second, third running back in that uh, backfield. I think they I think their running game could be pretty good. They lost their second wide receiver, Matt Drayton, to 20 seal and MCL, so he's out for the year. 
Uh, Cam Ross, I'm very excited to watch this. He had a really nice freshman year. So I think UConn's got some, you know, a little bit of talent. I just don't think it's enough to really compete yet. I really like his class coming in next year. I think he, here he has like seven or eight, seven or eight three stars, which I know doesn't sound like a ton, but to UConn, that, that right now, that's pretty good. Um, and so, again, I'm kind of getting a little bit more optimistic with the future, but I think Fred will cover this game. So how many wins do you think UConn gets this year? Like around two or three? I think three. I think they get Holy Cross and Yale, and then I think, they, I think they'll get UMass. Um, Purdue, maybe they keep it close. Vandy, I don't think they'll be keep it close. It's, a, you know – um, it's for them kind of, I know it's not the toughest schedule in the world, but to UConn right now it is maybe middle Tennessee stay at home. They can get, but again, they go to Clemson, which again, it'll be a positive. Uh, if you lose, lose that game by less than 60. It'd be a positive. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, maybe Wyoming, Wyoming be pretty good too in Mountain West. So I think I'd be happy with three wins this year. I think would be a success and will be the most in 2017, but Again, that's not saying much, but um, I, again, I, I think seven win, or three wins would, you know, be a good step in the in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting to see what UConn football does. So we'll close out show, close out the show talking about an HBCU matchup. College game is going to be there. Alcorn State, North Carolina Central. That's seven o'clock on ESPN on Saturday night. So interesting game there. But Justin, I'm not. I haven't followed either team. Do you have a gauge on how this game's going to go for both teams? Alcorn State, I believe, won the SWAC last three out of four years. They played in like their um, HBC national championship game, I believe, like the last three years. I don't think there was one. There wasn't one last year, but um, Alcorn State's been really good. After it. Um, I don't know if that quarterback's really. I forget his name, but he was really good. Um, had a really good arm. It could actually run as well. Actually, no, he transferred to South Florida last year, so he's gone. Uh, but Alcorn State's kind of been FCS-wise. Top 25, in and out of top 25 last year's. North Carolina Central hasn't been that great. I think Duke beat up two years ago, like 62-3. to three. I think Alcorn State's probably going to blow them out. Um, again, I don't know roster-wise, um, these two teams, but Alcorn State's been one of the better um, teams in the SWAC the last few years. So, And I believe they're probably the favorite again to win the SWAC. I think Jackson State's going to be pretty good with Deion Sanders, but yeah, we'll talk about that. I am throwing. Who do you think? I'll ask you, Deion, after this. But who do you think wins this game? Alcorn big. I think Alcorn probably wins this game big. And how much? But like like thirty or forty. I don't know that I because I don't know how much Alcorn State got coming back from two years ago, but I believe they probably win this game by two to three scores somewhere around there. I bet. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Because we're talking about the SWAC, uh, we got to talk about Deion Sanders. How's his squad going to be this year? I thought, they were, I thought they were pretty good last year in the spring. How's his squad going to be this year, Deion's squad? Um, pretty good now. I believe his son was a four-star quarterback going to come in. I believe he's got another one that's coming at corner. He got a couple four-star commitments. I think Jackson State's probably right there with Alcorn. Um, I believe they start out with Florida A&M, which is usually pretty bad. Tennessee State may be tough. I think they could probably beat their their um, Monroe and their who's probably gonna go winless probably in the FBS. I think they could beat them. Um, now with the SWAC, it's kind of if you win the conference, you have to go. You have to play like the MAC winner. It's like the um, historic black college university national championship game. But if they finish second and they qualify, they could play in the FCS playoffs. So if they finish second. 
I could see them maybe going on a run in the playoffs. I think they have some talent. I know uh, last year they in spring, it's so weird to tell, but um, he, they, they had a pretty solid recruiting class. So I, I think Jackson State is going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. First, we want to wish, a, again, a happy birthday to our producer, Jace Garcia. Did a great job today, so happy birthday, Jace. And for Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week, and we got a big, big show next week because we have our NFL season preview, so make sure you tune in for that. And also we'll be talking, you know, any MLB, NBA, and we're previewing the first week in college football. So we'll be doing all that, and we, we hope you're back next week, and have a great weekend, everyone.